If you like what we do here over at Acre Interview and would like to support us and help us grow, you can head over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com forward slash interview where you can donate monthly. We have different tiers ranging from $1 per month right up to $25 with each tier offering different rewards. All the monthly donations greatly help us to continue creating these video and audio interviews so please take a look and I thank you in advance. Enjoy. Yeah, so Emily, you now fly from Hawaii, you lucky bugger. That must be absolutely yeah. amazing. How did that position or that base come about? Yeah, we're, we're so fortunate to be out here. So um, our first space, uh, our first assignment was at McCord in Washington, and we spent almost four years there. Um, and honestly, this, this assignment kind of just fell into our laps. Very fortuitous timing. Um, but my boss, my squadron, I was working for directly for the, the commander at the time. And he was, and I think I was very pregnant. Yeah, I was. Uh, and he was like, hey, would you guys want to go to Hawaii? And I was like, is this a trick question? <laughs> like, um, no, no, I'm all right. <laughs> right, right, exactly. We, uh, and we had come to terms with the fact that we were probably going to go to Altus, um, which is our schoolhouse. And we were not excited about it at all. Right. Um, and we were just like, Yes. And he goes, well, the squadron commander just reached out and he needs two people that are your year group airdrop. Um, so if you guys want to go, like, I'll work it. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And I actually, I remember saying, oh, we want that. And I was like, oh, wait, I should probably talk to Jared first before I, before I like full send on this. But, but tentative, yes, I'll get back to you. And sure. And Jared was like, really, you want to go to Hawaii? I was like, are you crazy? Of course I do. Um, and so that's how we ended up here. And we've been here uh, just over three years. Um, and we're leaving in May. And is it like a mixed base? Is a fighters on the base as well? Or is it all heavies? Yeah, there are. There's F-22s here. So it's uh, there's C-17s, active and guard. Um, right. And then there's KC-135s, guard. And there's F-22s, active and guard. And yeah. uh, we were t uh, you met, uh, sent you a kind of bio over, and you actually have flown on live operations. Can you tell us about this, and how was it different, you know, coming from your training? Was it a big shock? Uh, so, yeah, we've done, um, Jared and I did three deployments, have done three deployments. We're fortunate to have done all of those together. Oh, um, yeah, so uh, for our deployments, one of them was only 75 days, but the other two were 90 days. Um, which is pretty standard for C-17 ops. They send you out yeah. for three months. Um, they don't uh, see. So things are changing, obviously, now with uh, with the change in Afghanistan. But yeah. um, they deploy you out there, and there's already planes out there. Um, so different units deploy planes out on different rotations. And so you fly other units, aircraft, while you're out there. Um, and the missions themselves are a lot of fun. They're very exhausting. Um, but we love being deployed because it's just like, you don't have to worry about anything else. You just get to fly. And so a uh, pretty standard day uh, would be maybe three stops. We'd uh, uh, three stops usually at night. We did a lot of night flying under NVGs just because of the threats. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Afghanistan's very mountainous. And so uh, it can be tricky to get into some of those high pressure altitude fields. Um, and then we also would do operations in Iraq, which is a lot more flat. 
um, and a lower altitude. But yeah, so just, you know, tack arrivals, tack departures everywhere you go, pretty much um, short ground times. Uh, there were some locations that we would crew rest, uh, but usually not. They try to get us back home, um, if they could. Um, yeah, but it was, it's deployed flying is a lot of fun. It's, uh, more technical. Um, you work a lot more in tactics, obviously. And, uh, it, it get you get to practice that tactical side of your brain that you don't get to do, uh, you know, when you're just doing one to a full stop delivering cargo somewhere. And did you have any scary moments when flying on live operations? Um, not really. No, I've like I've recovered jets that had bullet holes in them, but I was never the one flying them when oh, they right, received yes. the bullet holes. So that's <laughs> fortunate for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I will say one time I uh, I forget what field I was going into, and it was in Afghanistan, very mountainous. It's in a bowl kind of. Um, and it was the second time I'd been into that field and I was talking to the controller and they only turn the lights on when aircraft are coming in. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had called him and I was like, okay, we're 30 minutes out. And I called him when we were 10 minutes out and then I'm lined up. Like I can see in, on my mission line that like I am pointing at the runway. It's not there. We're on nogs. Like I'm like, are the lights on? And he's like, yes, the lights are on. I'm like, I can't see anything. Mm. Like, please ensure the lights are on. Yes, the lights are on. Um, and then I'm like, so we had to go around. It was, you know, you never want to go around yeah. uh, if you don't have to, especially in a tactical environment. Um, you're just waking everybody up to shoot at you. Um, <laughs> and uh, and he called back and he goes, oh, I'm sorry, that was the wrong switch. The lights were off. Like, no kidding. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the only reason that was scary is because, uh, we, my, I had, uh, two people upstairs looking outside and they could see the lights in the little village, like turning mm. on as we're mm. going around and coming back around. Um, we did get lazed on that, on that mm. next approach that we did in, which is no big deal. Like you just continue flying. Don't look outside. Um, essentially, but, uh, I'm just glad that we didn't have to go around again because who knows what they would have pulled out for this for the second or third time so and did, uh, did the c-17 carry flares yeah because that must have been i would have been scared we of that do have but... flares. yeah we do have flares. yeah um i remember the first time i dispensed flares uh it scared me because i had never i was a co-pilot and i had never heard flares like leaving the aircraft i yeah. didn't know what that was and i was just like what is that <laughs> just dumb co-pilot stuff you know <laughs> that's brilliant and on these live operations did you mix with uh, other crews from other air forces or your uh, even the u.s air force yeah so we do fly mixed crews out there um and which is great because you get to one meet new people right like common theme in our in our community and uh you get to you know everybody knows something different about the aircraft. So you get to learn from them too. Um, so all different C-17 units deploy people out there and uh, you interfly with them throughout your deployment. Um, I have done several exercises uh, with international entities. So um, I've worked with, uh, with the rock. So out there with the, with the, um, God, what was the name of their unit? I can't remember uh, with the South Koreans. Um, I've done some work with the Australians with, uh, I feel like I worked with the Brits one time. When did I do that? 
can't remember. Um, I actually just went to Diego Garcia and I met, we called him the governor, the governor of the island of Diego Garcia. And uh, he was done with his rotation. And so he was on his way back, um, back up to, uh, I forget where he lived. He told me, but he was so excited to go home. It was awesome. But that was the last. That was the uh, last interaction I had with a with a good Brit. Um, <laughs> yeah, but we that's one of the fun parts also is that we get to work with all different countries, especially out here. We've been leaning forward and trying to trying to uh, reach out to our allies out here and and get some things going and and you know strengthen numbers, strengthen friends. Yeah, absolutely. I think stuff. as well, like you get that position when it obviously broadens your mind as well, meeting different cultures, different people as well. Yes. Yes, yes. And you know, the the obviously the Aussies have C seventeens and they employ them differently than we do. Yeah. And it's so fun to learn from them. And uh the I mean, they're real professionals out there in the thirty six, so they're real good people. So uh what is the best thing about flying the moose and do you have any memorable stories that stick it out, out in your mind that you can share with our viewers? The best part I would say is it's so capable and maneuverable and has such like a diverse, um, capabilities. Um, so I love that one day I could show up and I'll be doing this and then I could get retasked to do something completely different. And, uh, that's, you know, it always keeps your brain moving, keeps you, keeps you uh, mentally stimulated, if you will. Um, I love that about it. And, uh, it's just fun to fly. Like it's just a fun aircraft to fly. You know, we, we do 60 degree 2G bank turns in formation. Like a big airplane doing that is very impressive. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a lot of fun to get out there and fly it and like really fly it. I don't mean like gear up autopilot, all the throttles on. Like I love to fly that airplane. And, uh, yeah. So how many hours have you got to date on the mighty Globemaster? I have just over 2,000, last I checked. Nice. Um, just over 2,000. That last mission helped me, um, which is actually for someone who's been flying the plane since 20, when did I first start? 28, no, 2014. Um, that's pretty low. Uh, but I was out of the jet for almost two years when you talk about babies and baby leaves. So that's part of it. And then airdrop. Um, Airdrop keeps you home more because it's more for you to practice, right? Yeah. So uh, on the road, we'll usually get anywhere from like 50 to 70 hours on a normal mission. Nice. Um, but you sacrifice that when you stay home and fly airdrop and, and really hone those skills. So right. I'm definitely low time for someone who's been flying this long, but I have a lot of <laughs> so reps, a lot of which hours. is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. But uh, before we get into the personal ones, we got some uh, questions from our patrons, if you're happy to answer them, Emily. Let's do it. Right. Do so this is <laughs> So um, this is from Joel Kunzler. Are you, Emily, on the C-17 demo team? I am not. Jared is. Um, there's only one uh, PACF demo team, and um, he's been on it since since we got here in 2018. Well, yeah, he's kind of, so hopefully that's answered your question there, Joe. But he said, if yes, can you please bring the demo to Arctic Thunder, <laughs> wherever that is. <laughs> I will pass the word. There you go. And the last one from Joe is, what was your toughest takeoff and toughest landing in the C-17? 
toughest takeoff. Um, I would say the most memorable takeoff is that first A code that I had max weight, first time commanding a crew, first time commanding the C-17, had a full combat mission ahead of me. Um, that was the most memorable. So I, I don't think I've had any hard takeoffs. I've certainly had some hard landings. Um, <laughs> let me think about the hardest. The first time uh, I flew into uh, this little fob in Afghanistan called Shank. It's obviously shut down now. Um, I wish I knew the, remember the pressure altitude off the top of my head, but it's not very long. It's very high altitude. Um, they usually send you in their max weight uh, for full flaps, which is um, 502,100 pounds. Mm-hmm. And because um, they try to, you know, max perform the aircraft when they get in there. And the first time I went in there by myself. So usually if, if there's a difficult field, they'll send you in there with an IP first who's been there, like a seeing eye dog, if you will. Yeah. Um, but weather was bad that night. And I, it was hard to find because, again, we're under NVGs. Um, so it was hard to pick up the runway. And then um, weather wasn't great. Crosswinds weren't great. Like everything was kind of working against us. Yeah. We had very little outs on our told. Um, you can't land long at that field cause you'll go off the end of the runway. No doubt about it. Wow. Um, and so I, I have a vivid memory of getting that one on the ground and be like, oh, thank God. Like that sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Brilliant. Well, hopefully that answers your questions, Joe. And this one's from anonymous. Uh, I've seen Emily's Instagram page and she doesn't seem to wear flight suit. Is this normal or a choice? Good question. I get this question all the time. So we have transitioned uh, to two-piece flight suits. So, you know, we we wear the traditional green flight suits, right? Um, But when we fly downrange, we used to wear sand-colored ones. And now, instead of being a one-piece, it's a two-piece. So it's it's still a flight suit. It's just a two-piece flight suit. Um, I prefer them, uh, to be honest with you. It's just a lot easier um, especially when you go to hot locations, you can take off your blouse, uh, and get some airflow versus in a one piece. You don't really have yeah. that option. So okay. still a flight suit, just not a traditional bag. And actually just on the side note here, I thought it was great. Uh, you had the big pilot patch, so you don't have to tell people when you go in uh, anywhere. You can just be like, look at my patch. <laughs> you know, what's funny. So we actually got in trouble for those because, um, when they first came out with these patches or with these, uh, uniforms they didn't really give us like a patch plan and then um they told us that we couldn't wear our wings and i was like what and we were deployed at the time we're like yeah we'll show you you can't wear our wings um and so because our our name tags that have our name on them have our wings on them and they said you can't wear those and i'm just like why um so we had pilot patches made so they would know who the pilot was um and they got they got real mad about that real quick, but we wore them for a couple weeks until they finally like came out with regulation. They're like, okay, you can wear your wings, but you have to put them here not on your shoulder and all that stuff. So, so this is from Alexander Vatter best part of being in the transport community. Um, the travel. So obviously with COVID it's not the best right now, but I mean, I get to travel the world for a living. It's incredible. You know, I get to, I'll wake up in one location and I'll go to bed in another and I'll be, you know, experiencing this culture and then fly 16 hours and I get to experience a completely different culture and eat totally different food. And I really love that about uh, this world. And I think it's very, uh, it's unique to the transport community. We're very fortunate 
uh, to get to be able to do that. So that's definitely my favorite part. And his last question, most effective way to rebuff arrogant fighter jockeys? <laughs> uh, you know, I've... I've always had good interactions with the fighter dudes when I've, when I've dealt with them. Um, I've got to do more. Uh, I've worked with them more at this assignment because we have F-22s here and yeah. getting to see a peek behind the curtain of their life and their focus is very interesting and it's very different um, than ours. And so I think a lot of the times why you might see a difference of opinions, if you will, between, you know, the fighter community and the transport community, it's because we, we just focus on totally different things and we're raised different um, within our communities. And I think that that attributes to it, but uh, you know, I'm grateful for fighter dudes and what they do. Like I have no interest in being in a tiny cockpit and looking (laughs) over my shoulder and like, you know, having neck problems for the rest of my life. So um, I'm grateful that there are people who want to do those things. Brilliant. So I've got a few personal ones for me, but uh, how do your kids see you being a pilot? They must be like, mommy's really cool. (laughs) uh you know my oldest he's very interested and he needs to know the lowdown he's like okay are you flying a mission are you flying a local are you going to be home tonight or not you know like he needs to know the logistics of like who's going to be where because you know jared and i trade off yeah and so he just like in his brain he needs to be able to see it um but taking him out to the airplane is very cool and he he thinks we're pretty cool, which is which is a good feeling. Really good. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so, do you have any hobbies apart from aviation? Yeah, um, I have many interests and not enough time to pursue them all. So, <laughs> one day when I have more time on my hands, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a very busy person. But um, we, Jared and I both have a passion for fitness. Like we work out a lot. It's it uh it helps us de stress, but it's also something that we just enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, especially being in Hawaii, I love being outside. So anything that will take me outside, hiking, going to the beach, um, playing sports, like I'm all about it. Um, and, uh, we obviously have a, have a hand in social media, which is a hobby of ours. Um, and we have a few different irons in the fire for different projects we have going on. So yeah, we're just, I think I have a very, I have an entrepreneurial spirit, if you will. It's very cliche to say that, but um, I have a lot of interest. That's brilliant. Uh, this could be an easy one or a difficult one because it differs to each pilot and aircrew of the interview, but favorite aircraft you have flown to date? Oh, C-17, no doubt. Right. Okay. <laughs> no doubt, yep. <laughs> one you would love to fly either past or present? Ooh, so I have always wanted to fly the 747 I, and, oh, wow. and I don't, I don't really know why. Um, probably just cause it's so big and I think it's just like such a good looking airplane. Um, very iconic. So I don't know. It? It's very iconic and you know, they're, they're becoming more and more rare these days. So, uh, if I could fly the 747, that would be, that'd be pretty cool. And can we find you? Oh, obviously, uh, some people know you're in Instagram, but where can we find you online? Yeah, so uh, I'm primarily on Instagram, fly with Emily, two Ys, one Y was taken. Uh, <laughs> um, and then I do, I have not posted to YouTube in a minute, but we've been working on some things. So we'll start, we'll start pushing out some content here pretty soon. But same, same thing, fly with Emily, I'm at all over. 
I think so yeah guys watch this space for upcoming stuff from Emily and her husband but uh, Emily it's been a pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much for coming on thanks for having me and thanks for dealing with our our interruptions with kids and all, all that part stuff of it, isn't it that's great but uh, <laughs> thanks very much Emily cheers thanks cheers Thank you.